the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we're throwing it back to a presentation from MaxLawCon 2019. Kent Richardson is the owner of Phantom House Productions, LLC, and he shares his presentation, Video for Web. Let's get to it. So I'm sitting there, right? Eyes closed. I'm just minding my own business. This guy comes up to me and keeps tapping me on the shoulder. He's like, you got to get up, man. You got to get up. And here I am, like, I'm just trying to have a nap. I'm just trying to, trying to relax a little bit. This guy keeps poking me. He's like, dude, dude, you got to get up. And I'm like, all right, fine, fine. So I hop up, got my backpack on my back. And I'm, I'm looking around, I'm looking around, and then I look straight up, and I'm like, holy cow, where am I? How many guys have ever been to Times Square in New York? Hold your hand up if you've ever been there. All right, it's a lot of people. How many of you guys have ever been to Tokyo? Hands up, anybody? So imagine waking up in the middle of Times Square. You have no idea where you're at, and you're looking around, and you don't understand the language anyone's saying. Everything is foreign, no one's speaking English, and you're completely disoriented and lost. And then, to add on top of that, you look over and there's an ambulance with two people approaching. So, here I am, disoriented, just been woken up from my great nap I was having in the middle of the street. And uh, two ambulance people come over to me and they're like, hey, well, that's at least what I imagine they were saying, except they were speaking in Japanese, so I didn't know. So me, not wanting to take my chances with the Japanese police, decided to run. And so I ran through the streets of Tokyo for five hours. I stumbled. I was lost, my phone was dead, I had no money, my cash was gone, my cards were gone, and I had nothing. And there's nothing like that feeling of, of truly feeling helpless. And that was something I had never felt until that moment, was that feeling of true helplessness. You know, we're here in our comfort zone, I'm here in my hometown, so I know where everything is, I know I can always call someone for help who can come pick me up, but being in a foreign country, in a city being surrounded by millions and millions of people and not being able to talk to a single one of them, that's pretty isolating. And so I was very fortunate when I opened up my backpack, I mean, fortunate in the sense that I still had my kidneys, right? That everything had been taken except for two things. One, my phone, and I'll hold it up here for you guys. Does anybody know what iPhone this is? This is, this is an SE, right? But I'm willing to bet that actually the majority of you guys here have a nicer phone than I do. So my phone was in there, and my camera was in there. And whether that was an oversight by the people who drugged me, 
or maybe it was intentional to make it look like I hadn't just been robbed, I'm, I'll never know. But I'm grateful because what I did with that experience is I used it to completely transform the kind of trip I was taking. So this happened to me while I was taking a study abroad trip and I was in Japan, I was in Tokyo. And this happened on my first night there. So I was gonna be there for about 12 days, right? I had this lavish trip I was gonna take. I was gonna eat sushi from all the nicest restaurants. And the first night I was there, I went to a bar. I was given a drink that I didn't see poured and I was drugged. It was about my second drink and I woke up the next morning and I couldn't remember anything. All I knew was that $5,000 was missing from my bank account and there's no way I was gonna get it back. Fortunately, I was traveling with a friend. And this friend, he could have been like, man, you're a loser. Obviously, you don't know how to travel in a foreign country. And he could have ditched me. Like, he, he owed me nothing. He owed me nothing. Instead, his name was William. And he helped me through the remainder of my trip. And he could have, you know, he could have been annoyed. He could have been like, dude, come on. Like, how could you be so careless? How could you be so useless? Because that's how I felt. Because there's nothing more demoralizing than going on a trip, thinking you're going to have this baller vacation, and waking up the next day and having nothing to your name. I had zero dollars in my name. And so it changed our trip a lot. And so the things we were planning to do, like go to these fancy restaurants, eat fancy sushi, those weren't actually the things that happened. The things that happened instead were the cheap things. We rented bikes, single speed bikes for $5 a piece, and we rode them for hours. We rode them up on hills. We took them way, way, way further than we were allowed to take them. But we explored, and we saw parts of Japan that you wouldn't normally have seen if you were just going for the tourist attractions and for the nice, expensive stuff. And fortunately, because I had that camera and because I had this crappy iPhone, I was able to make this. I made an hour-long documentary of the remainder of my trip there, even though I didn't have any money or really any kind of idea where I was. And so, the moral of this story, or at least I took three things from this. The first thing is never drink a drink that you haven't seen poured. That's the first thing, okay? <laughs> the second thing is always travel with friends and travel with people that you trust. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you can travel alone, but having a friend next to you makes the whole thing way better and they can help you take what could have been a really bad experience and turn it into what was probably the most amazing trip of my entire life. The third thing is, Storytelling and video, it's about the content and it's not about the equipment. Although having nice equipment helps, I will say that. So a little bit about me. I'm the third part of Maxim Lawyer, although you guys probably have picked up on this point. I'm more like the third wheel, right? Um, I'm also the owner of Phantom House Productions, so it's a video company and I shoot video mainly for attorneys, but I dabble a little bit in shooting music videos for bands because that stuff's fun. I'm also a full-time student at University of Missouri-St. Louis. Got a full ride there, so I still live at home and I run my company out of Jim's office. And I like to travel and I like to get to know you guys through the Facebook group. And so that's kind of how I got into this was I was an intern for Jim and I worked my way up. Um, so let's talk a little bit about video. I'm gonna make this quick and I'm just gonna hit you guys with some of the basics so that you guys can understand a bit more about how to shoot video specifically for social media and for web. And also I'm gonna have a couple minutes at the end for you guys to ask me questions. You guys can ask me what camera to buy, stuff like that, right? So I'm gonna talk about codecs real quick. So whenever you shoot something on your iPhone, it's shooting in the QuickTime codec. And this is, basically this is Apple's codec that they use for their video files. And this is fairly uncompressed and these are typically pretty big files. MP4, anything that you watch on YouTube, Facebook, basically anything that you are watching on the web right now has been compressed into MP4. And basically all that means is 
it's taken the big video file and it's compressed it down to the bare minimum amount of information that it can be and still be a watchable video. And that's why if you've ever, well you probably haven't, but if you ever try to modify a video file like that, it usually doesn't look very good. One of the reasons why videographers buy expensive cameras is because you get bigger files and it gives you more flexibility in what you can do with the color and stuff like that. A lot of people ask me, you know, how to pull audio from video or they'll be like, hey, here's this video, can you pull the audio from it? Can you clip this down? Can you repurpose this? One of the biggest tips I can give you guys is to download the Smart Converter app if you've got a Mac. If you have a PC, they've got all kinds of apps like this that let you take video files like MP4s. You drag them into the app and you say, oh, I want an MP3 file and it pulls it out as an MP3 file for you guys. Audio. So one of the interesting things I've learned, I couldn't track down the study but I read this somewhere and I think most of you guys will agree this is true. Most people will tolerate low quality video but very few people will listen to more than about 20 seconds of video with really bad audio. And the reason for that is because our brains have to work really hard to process audio and process what people are talking about but we don't have to work as hard to figure out video, right? I mean if you squint you're like alright yeah this is basically HD, right? So one of the things I recommend, especially if you guys are shooting a lot of videos that's primarily the content is you guys talking about something important, I strongly recommend getting a lav mic. So Audio Technic has a gray one. This is one that me and Jim use for all of his videos. It's the ATR3350 and they just came out with a new one that's got this little dongle that lets you plug it straight into your iPhone and you can also use it on a camera if you already have a camera as well. And this one's really good. and. It, this is really honestly all you need. You don't need anything fancier than this. It's like 30 bucks. So people ask me all the time, like this is the most common question I ever get asked is what kind of camera should I buy? I've got $1,500 what camera should I buy? And I always say go buy whatever the newest iPhone is because that's seriously all that you need. So your iPhone or honestly anyone in here with a phone that's newer than like three years as long as it's not older than three years old, you guys have 4K capabilities on your phone. 12 years ago when the Red 1 came out, it was revolutionary because it was the first digital camera that could shoot in 4K resolution. It was a $50,000 camera and it was groundbreaking because no one had even been able to get close to that kind of resolution. And right now we're all walking around, we're using it for texting and stuff like that. But we have the equipment right now to shoot better quality video than companies are spending millions and millions of dollars to shoot just 10 years ago. So whenever people ask me what kind of camera they should get, that's what I say. Now if you're willing to spend way more than that then that's a whole other issue but at that point you're running more of a video or marketing company and that's when something like that would be useful. But using your iPhone, using your Samsung, whatever you have, that's honestly my recommendation. So the other really important thing is having really, really good lighting and a lot of people underestimate how important lighting is because it, it's usually kind of an afterthought but your video, it doesn't matter how good your camera is, your video is going to look bad if you don't have good lighting. You could go buy a $100,000 camera and your video is still going to look awful if you don't have good lighting and the reason for that is, is the lower the amount of light that's in the room, the harder that your camera has to work and the more it guesses what it's actually seeing. So that's why you kind of get that noise when you watch really dark video, kind of the speckles on the screen. The reason for that is because your camera's trying to guess, the sensor's just kind of grasping at straws trying to figure out what it's seeing there and it's not able to adjust like our human eyes are which is why you get that weird kind of look. Um, so what I recommend, newer makes great lights, they're really inexpensive. These ones are actually the ones that I use. The reason why is because they're really portable, you can throw them in a suitcase and I use it to fly all the time. You put them in a carry-on, I can carry them with myself on the flight and they're adjustable. 
I don't recommend getting photography lights because they tend to be really bulky and kind of hard to move around, especially if you've got a home office or if you don't have a dedicated room for this, for the video that you're shooting. I strongly recommend getting these kind of lights because they're going to be way easier to, to move around and use. Does anybody have any questions? I, I left a couple minutes in here for people to ask questions about video, so let's just go rapid fire. Yeah, so I shoot in 4K. And the reason why I do that is because it gives me the ability to crop in. Because essentially, like a lot of times, if you're shooting in 720, if your shot's kind of off and out of frame, or if you're not getting something in the shot that you want, there's no way to pull back and get more of the shot in. But with 4K, I'm always able to crop in. The other thing is that even when you're shooting in 4K and you're exporting to 1080 or 720 on Facebook or YouTube, the compression process that they use, you're still going to get better quality 1080 because it's down resing from a higher resolution. And so more detail is retained even though it's dropping resolution. That doesn't happen when you upscale. Vertical video versus horizontal video. Yeah, I think right now we're seeing, especially with uh, Instagram TV, I think more than anything, what people should be doing is assuming that their video is going to be going into square video because that's pretty universal across Instagram, across Facebook, across, except for maybe YouTube. But assume whenever you're shooting something, that if you cut off the sides or if you're shooting in vertical, if you cut the top and bottom off, assume that the only thing you're going to get is that middle square and just take it from there. Because regardless of what platform you're posting it on, ultimately it's going to get cut down to that most of the time. So if you have important things that are out of frame, a lot of times they're not going to make it in. If you're just doing basic stuff, I would recommend if you're on Windows, I like Premiere a lot. And if, well actually Premiere Rush is probably even better because it's, it's like a simplified version of Premiere. If you're on Apple, I would recommend iMovie or Final Cut. Thank you. Yeah, so actually the best kind of light is natural light. So the best kind of light is if you can shoot by a window in your office, that's actually going to be the best place 90% of the time. Shooting outdoors, it's kind of hard. What I usually do is whenever I'm shooting with clients, I'll wait for it to get kind of sunny and then wait for it to get cloudy or try to shoot in the shade because that's kind of the optimal balance. So if you can find somewhere that's in the shade, that's what's going to be easiest on your camera to try and pull in because there is such thing as too much light because then the sensor is getting overwhelmed and it's hard to it's hard for the sensor to process all the light and still give you an accurate image. So yeah, I, I would look for shade. Like cloudy days are the best. You can ask Tyson. We waited hours for it to get cloudy so we could go shoot. Yeah, for YouTube, I think the sweet spot is between like four and six minutes. And then Facebook, Facebook varies and so does Instagram. Instagram should be a minute or less. And then Facebook, it can, I'd say under three minutes. Alrighty, I'm out of time. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.